Hey, and welcome to Ryan Ransom Reveals. My name is Ryan Ransom. In today's revelation, it's going to be easy. I'm starting my own podcast. So let's talk about this and let's kind of break it all down. Like first, what is this podcast even going to be about? Then we should talk about what are the values of this podcast and what are the purposes of this podcast? And the big question is, why should you listen? And who am I? And then we should wrap things up and we're going to do a quick little breakdown of how this podcast is going to work and be structured moving forward. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this. What is this all about? Well, the name says it all. Ryan Ransom Reveals. So I'm going to be revealing stuff. And I'll be revealing all sorts of different things on multiple subjects. And you might be like, well, like what? Well, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is about business and business management and being a leader and team building. But we're also going to be talking about relationships and spirituality and history and religion and philosophy and science. Things that all kind of are grouped together in my world. Uh, we'll also talk about self-improvement and personal growth. We'll talk about health and wellness and diet. We'll also talk about some current events and my own personal revelations. Whether that might be something that's revealing itself to me this week or something I've just kind of had a greater understanding of. And then the other thing I'm going to really want to do is take questions from you, the audience. I want this to be interactive, and I want you to feel like you're part of what's happening here. And I know you're going to be like, that was just a big old bag of mixed stuff. And that's true. That's because this podcast is going to be just as eccentric as I am. And as you're going to find out, I have a lot to say. So before we kind of dive into the rest of this, let me give you a really quick example. This week, we just celebrated what we call or we consider New Year's Eve or New Year's. But did you know that January wasn't always the start of the new year? Originally, the new year started in spring, which is in March. And right on the surface, doesn't that kind of make a little bit more sense? Because spring is the beginning of new growth and of new life in nature. Babies are born, and this is when the farmers plant their crops. So why shouldn't this be the start of a new year? And I wish I could say that I saw that obvious sign, but I missed it. However, the way I did discover the origins was through words and numbers. And at some point in my life, the months October and December really got me curious. Because the Ak in October represents Okta, and Okta means eight. And the Des in December represents Deca, and Deca means ten. So my curiosity peaked, and down another rabbit hole I go. And what made this more curious was that the Ak in October was eight, and the Deca in December was being ten. Well, those line up perfectly. And then if you count backwards, then March becomes the first month. Which, interestingly enough, March is the month of the spring equinox, where all the new cycles begin. 
So as I dove deeper, I did find this was historically true. This all happened in 46 BC. And the other part that really never sat well with me was there's no astrological significance to January 1st. Whether when you look back at all the other ancient holidays and the origin of holidays, they normally have astrological significance. So, this is what happened. Julius Caesar, in order to honor the Roman god Janus, who was a two-faced god who looked both forward and backwards, and represents new beginnings, he changed the old calendar that was based on moon cycles to this new calendar that's based on sun cycles. And he altered it, and this now became known as the Julian calendar. January and February weren't even original months. Before the Roman calendar was created, we did a calendar, a Roman calendar by a guy named Romulus, but it only had 10 months. And then it had this like dead period with no name where they just waited for the spring equinox to start. So like we said, January was for Janus, and then February was for the goddess Febris. Pretty wild stuff, huh? So I guess I am revealing just a little bit more than the launch of my podcast, but let's get back on track now. Next up is the values of the show, and this is what really matters, right? My main value to you, the viewer, is to simply add value. And that added value might be in my storytelling or my entertainment value, or me just sharing a unique perspective or idea or a vantage point. And this is where you could agree, or you can disagree, or you could agree with parts of it, or you could disagree with other parts of it. And that's all fine, and that's great. Because if the value that I bring makes you question me or makes you question other things, and then you engage in a little critical thinking, then I've created the added value of thought-provoking. The next value for me is to be positive. And this is a really important one to me. I want to find the good and positive in all these topics. There's so much fear-mongering out there already. And this isn't what we're going to do here. Those channels and those personalities and these podcasts, they already exist. This show is about building people up and about creating better environments and finding better ways. But having said that, there's a lot of bad out there. And especially when we look at our current and our historical events. And so while we may touch on some of the dangers in some of these events, we're always going to come back to trying to find the good and positive in things, trying to find the ray of light. So last is that of full transparency. And the main themes here are going to be authenticity, to be genuine, to be transparent, to allow things to live open source. This isn't going to be a well-edited or overproduced show. The goal of this show is to focus on the content and not the production. I'm sure as you're watching this, you've probably already figured this out. I've already slipped on a few words, and we're going to leave those in just like that. Because I don't want to keep this from interfering or becoming a distraction or taking away from all the other things that I do. I really want to look forward to doing this and just having a normal conversation here. And not to dread all the production and post-production work. It's going to drive me crazy. And so, you know what? I'm going to make mistakes. 
and I'm going to mispronounce things, just like I almost mispronounced mispronouncing. And I have to correct myself, and you're going to get to see all this, just like I just did. And I'm going to keep it raw, and I'm going to keep it real. And as time goes on, you're going to see things getting better and improving. I don't love this setup that I have, and I want to find more ways to tweak it to make it look better. But we're just going to kind of roll. And isn't that kind of the point of this show? Because I want to show that consistent application of daily pressure will continue to make you and I better. And this big, bigger piece is kind of what this show is about here. So this might be a good time to pause for a disclaimer. It feels like everybody needs a disclaimer nowadays. So here it is. Nothing that I'm saying is 100% true for everyone. These are just things that are true to what I understand to be true. I can only share with you what I understand or what I think to be true based on my life experiences and the information I have absorbed. This is just all my perspective. Or this is something that's worked for me in the past or that I know to be true through my own lived examples. But it doesn't necessarily make it true and it doesn't mean it's going to be true for you. They say there's a million ways to skin a cat. And I'm just sharing just one. And maybe this way doesn't work for you. And that's okay. You should find what works for you. But we're still living in this world and time and era of exploration. Heck, science can't even still definitively tell me if eggs are good or bad or not. And I can only know and understand what's currently out there and what's currently been proven. Tomorrow... New evidence may arise that causes me to change my ideas or my beliefs. And that's okay. And that's the whole point of life. Not to bunker down and just defend what you were taught as a child, but to allow ourselves to grow and evolve and experience new things and expand our minds with new ideas, facts, or theories. One of my favorite sayings is, as the island of my intelligence grows, so does the shores of my ignorance. And this is true. And so I want to keep this in mind as we move on. None of this is coming from a self-righteous place or me proclaiming that I have all the right answers. What I have are perspectives. And as you'll find out, I have lots of perspectives. They're good and fun and unique perspectives. They're original to me. But that's all they are. And so I think this is a good transition into what the purpose of this show is. Well, number one, I love to talk. I have tons to share. And really, I need an outlet for everything that's going on in my head. There's only so much that my friends and my family can handle. And they don't always ask to hear or want to hear my historical philosophies, especially not as much as I want to share them. You know, I have a philosophy in life that you should only speak where you're listened to, and you should go only where you're invited. You guys and you girls, you've tuned in. You've decided to be here. So I'm happy to share. Plus, you know, this way, I don't have to ruin all my family events 
with my Christian family and telling the truth about the origins of their holidays or their religion. Just wait until I tell you about the origins of Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. But we're going to save those for a few months down the road. Two is I really enjoy helping others. I've accomplished a bunch in my short life. And I have done some pretty amazing things in lots of different areas. Often, when those around me said I couldn't. I've experienced tons of victories, but not always easily. I've overcome many gnarly challenges and great obstacles. I've overcome family and childhood traumas, even abuse. I found myself getting knocked down time and time again. And I've had periods of self-doubt, self-loathing, and even depression. I've sought out isolation and wanted to run away from all my problems. I've crashed my credit score twice. And I've allowed my body to get completely out of shape. I've been beaten down. And I've emerged full of optimism, not of bitterness. I've overcome these obstacles and challenged challenges. And I've been forged in the fire. And I've emerged a better and stronger person. So, I believe that me conquering these challenges and turning them into opportunities of improvement are noteworthy and worth sharing with you. And through my struggles, I may be able to help some of you from even entering into these places or what you need to do to change to get out of them if you are in those places. I have perspectives on self-improvement that have worked for me and I would love to share these with you in hopes that I might be able to help somebody else. Three, I'm a natural guide and leader. I believe that this is my most true and most authentic self. This is my true calling. And so I want to offer guidance to those who seek it. I want to be able to guide those who want it. I've led very large teams with varied departments and personnel types. I have very successfully managed many multi-million dollar businesses. And I've been a leader ever since my earliest childhood memories, from school to sports to social circles and my friends. You know, I found myself influencing people before influencers were even a thing. And part of this is because I lack the fear of the unknown. And I'm always quick to just take charge. I have a confidence that my guidance and my leadership and my good heart can make things better. Four, I have a very unique perspective on things. I'm fascinated by all that goes around us in this world. And I pour myself into really understanding our world and our nature and our nature as people. But I tend to see things kind of from a different angle. And it's one that I don't hear many other people sharing. And some are going to say, hey, these ideas are wacky. Or maybe they're going to say they're inaccurate. Or maybe they go against what we know or what we think we know or what we've been taught. It's definitely going to go against a lot of what establishment thinking is. But what they are is they're uniquely my own. And they're original. So you can take them however you would like. Five, 
and this is that full transparency, I want to increase my following. As a speaker, I do many things. I do stand-up comedy, and I do public speaking. I also do freelance journalism, and so I'm putting together a variety of my skills and traits that will help me build each one through different avenues. The goal here is that the diversity of my talents and my different content styles will build my overall reach and my following in each one of those. And that as my entire brand grows, so will each one of those avenues. And as a speaker and as a guide, it feels better when people listen and when people want to follow. This validates for me that I'm actually adding value and that my message is one that helps. And of course, from an altruistic place, I really do enjoy helping other people. However, we do live in the matrix and I can't pay my bills or survive purely on notes of good deeds. Which brings us to the last purpose. I need to diversify my income. I don't want to get a nine to five job that takes me away from my true passion and calling. I'm not fit for it. Comedy and freelance journalism doesn't pay that much. And my public speaking business is in its infancy. And it's not paying the bills quite yet. Plus, I really don't want to be beholden to big or large corporate interests. I want to be free to spread my word and my message untethered, without censorship, or without having to water it down. And so while I have no illusions that this podcast is going to be my financial savior, the goal here is that between the public speaking and the comedy and the freelance journalism and the podcast and maybe still doing an occasional consulting client, that all of these together are going to keep me afloat and free to continue down this path. So that brings us to the next point. Why should you tune in? Well, maybe you just want some entertainment. Maybe you like my storytelling style. Maybe you want to start a new business or you have a business that you want to grow, especially if that business is in guest service or dealing with the public. Maybe you're a manager that manages teams and you want to do better at that. Maybe your business needs help with its staff management. A lot of what I'm going to talk about is going to be related to my time as a high-volume restaurant nightclub operator and as a very successful team builder who is able to turn organizations around through building genuine, positive culture. This is one of my greatest passions. You should tune in if you like hearing unique perspectives on different takes on things, or if you just like watching oddities. If you're a student of, or interested in religion and spirituality, or even history and science, and like I mentioned before, yes, in my world, these things are interconnected, then I do have a lot to share. Maybe you just love a good self-improvement session, and you want to hear about my struggles, and maybe that's going to make you feel better. And maybe you want to hear about the things that I've done to overcome them. But most importantly, it's because you're going to resonate with positivity and love and want to connect and be connected with other people who are like-minded, who know that there's a better system and a better way than this, that we don't need this capitalistic, greedy system 
that markets high levels of waste and materialism, what I'm going to bring is real and raw, unfiltered, organic, and authentic. Yeah, I think I got all the buzzwords. And you should listen if any of these things resonate with you. That you don't need another high-production, well-edited show repeating those same establishment narratives and mainstream narratives. You should listen if you don't mind a show that's not afraid to show its mistakes and its growth along the way. So that brings us to the who am I? I feel like an hour around here. Who? But who am I? Well, if you didn't catch it at the beginning of the show, my name is Ryan Ransom. I was born in the South, but I was raised here in California under the sun and the sea. And when it used to be a really great place. But I want to start in the beginning. Going back to my earliest memories, in my life in school, I've always been a natural guide and a natural leader. I never had to try. This just came to me organically. And my dad used to always tell me growing up that I'll end up being my own boss. And he was right. I really am unfit for a regular job. I'm too free of this matrix. And they'll see it and they'll wash me right out. So I have to find my own way. I've always been a group leader. I've always been an alpha in my social packs. I was always the guy with the answers and the solutions that all my friends would come to me and ask me for advice or would want to follow. Next, I went into a life in sports. This was my first real chapter. And again, I found myself in the sporting athletic world as a natural leader. And while I wasn't always deemed as a team captain, I had an authority and a presence that everyone seemed to respect. And I did very well in sports. I was able to play many sports at very high levels. When it came to athletics, there wasn't much I couldn't do. And I'm not telling you to brag. I'm just telling you about who I am. My main sport in high school was in football. And this is where I became an All-American. And this led me to have full-ride scholarships for tons of the biggest Division I schools in America. So I picked the team who was preseason number two, thinking they would be the best choice for me because my goal was to win a national championship ring. Well, that didn't turn out to be true. I was still very green and very naive and very idealistic. And unfortunately, these traits really just didn't fit well with the big establishment and big business of sports entertainment. And the truth is, I still am very idealistic. And I still don't match with establishment thinking. And so after playing football for a few years, I became very disillusioned. I came disillusioned with the game and with the whole business of sports entertainment. However, there are positives in this. And just like you said, we're always going to come back to the positives. When I played sports, especially high-level sports... It taught me things like teamwork and resilience, dedication, and the power of sacrifice. It gave me mental strength, and it taught me that old stick to And these actually became the basis of my core personality. 
The other thing that taught me, which is interesting, is the power of manifestation. And now, I never called it this or even realized that this is what it was. That would just later become this new age buzzword that we're all throwing around. For me, it was just willpower. It was willing the player of cross for me. It was willing to win when we were down. It was willing my own achievements, even in the face of others, saying it was impossible. And so this created a belief in me that anything is possible, that anything that I put my mind to, I could accomplish, that anything that I wanted to obtain, if you just believed in yourself and then you wanted something bad enough, you can will it into existence. But I'm not talking about something you have to have some secret power or be a yogi or guru to do. This is something that I started at a young age. And yeah, I saw what I wanted and I made that vision clear, but didn't just stop there. I had to put in the hard work. I had to do the effort to achieve those goals. And I think that's one piece that's kind of missing in today's manifestation hype. It's not just about imagining something. It's about doing something about it. And so while athletics really shaped me, I was still just a baby. I was a seedling. And so when I left football, I spent a few years just kind of wandering around trying to find myself. I was bartending and just kind of out of luck, I fell into managing restaurants. And because I was already a natural leader and a guide, I did take to this very well. I was bartending at a time, and just naturally, I just kept finding myself at a young age being offered management roles. So the next thing I knew is at 27, I was managing my very first restaurant. And I lacked a lot of professional background in this. I had none. All I had were my leadership skills. And I understood how to forge through and how to find solutions and answers. I had a good heart and I understood how to treat people. Plus, I had a long list of bad bosses over the years, and these guys taught me exactly what not to do. So by 29, I was running my own nightclub, which I had turned into the largest and hottest nightclub in the area, leaving a mark that will probably never been erased. And this moment kind of catapulted my career. And then all of a sudden, I had opportunities popping up in Las Vegas and Hollywood and all over Los Angeles. And so for the next decade or so, I ran many very large, very notable, multi-million dollar venues, nightclubs and restaurants. Many of these I created and branded myself. These were my creation from my own creativity. And I got to do and experience so much that a lot of people could only dream of. I was rubbing shoulders with the rich, with the influential, and with the famous. But what it really showed me was there are so many different ways that different people manage their business and their staffs. And the biggest takeaway for me during this whole chapter of my life was how to team build, how to build positive cultures, how to create genuine positive cultures not positive cultures that exist on some poster on the wall. 
And not only how to manifest my own reality, but how to get teams of more than 100 employees to see my vision and manifest it with me. And this was about building trust. And through that trust, they can believe in me, and together we saw our collective future. From there, I became married, and I became a father. And I wasn't really willing to dedicate 70 hours or more a week into these venues. I demanded to be an active father in my son's life, something that my dad didn't do with me. And so I started the next chapter of my life, and I started consulting for restaurants and nightclubs. This was probably the wildest ride of them all for me. Because during this process, I became an operating partner for a couple restaurants. I even owned my own restaurant. And I'm proud to say when I took over my own restaurant, it was only doing $33,000 a month. And within nine months, I had up to $125,000 a month. I did love this role. And due to my natural calling as a guide and a leader, but also because I was really getting to help people. And this is different. I wasn't just helping people have a good time or get drunk or get laid in the club. Well, not in the club, but after the club. But I was able to help people take control of their restaurants and improve their lives. And through that, I got to help their staffs. When they were awfully, often struggling when I showed up, my help allowed them to make more money, which helped support themselves. And this I found very rewarding and very fulfilling. But I really just didn't feel like it was enough. And it was filled with so many ups and downs, and it was hard to keep my business stable. And I could only help so many people at once. And then even on top of that, when I would go and help people and give them great advice, there's no guarantee that they were going to follow any of it. And so two big catalyst moments happened that allowed me to close that chapter and move forward into this next chapter I'm in now. One, I had a consulting client who had every opportunity in the world. And we had the opportunity to do something so big and so special and really make a positive impact. But instead, this guy chose to do everything in direct opposition to what I was guiding him to do. And he destroyed a community landmark and really financially damaged a lot of people, including myself. I had taken a massive pay cut in order to help him because I really believed in the bigger impact that we could make there. And I was promised executive control. But when it came down to it, he welsh on that deal. And he left me in pretty horrible of a position. The other thing that had happened that really pushed me out was right before that experience, it was pre-COVID, and I saw this new innovation that had come out of England, and I saw it the same week it had opened, and this thing was called the Ghost Kitchen. Now, I'm sure most of you now know exactly what that is. However, then, nobody did. At this point, there was only one being built in the whole world, and there was none being built in the United States. The one in England was the only one. And when I looked into it, I loved everything about it. I've been working on pitching collective and profit-sharing based concepts in the years prior, and I've been trying to find investors for these models. Unfortunately, the investors, surprise, surprise, 
didn't really see the value in collaborative environments or obtaining um, or doing obtainable profit sharing. And so I thought when I saw this ghost kitchen, I go, well, this is going to be my ticket into creating the collective style restaurant. And so I warned them of the looming dangers in the industry. And if these owners didn't change their ways, it was going to hurt them or create them to get washed out or go out of business. And so I wrote a business plan and I took it to every investor I knew to find funding. And I got laughed at to my face over and over telling me nothing's wrong with the current model they're very happy with the way things are running well a year later COVID hit and you know I often wonder how many of those investors were kicking themselves in the balls for not jumping on that with me when we could have we would have been opening in early 2020 just when everybody else was shutting down we would have been the first and only player in the game and I could have taken Los Angeles by storm. And now, tons of ghost kitchens are out there everywhere. But they don't have that same collective and profit sharing and positive culture mindset that I want to instill in these. Instead, a lot of them have kind of become just another vessel for these large corporations to make more profit with less human labor. And those investors, they lost out on millions and millions of dollars. I lost out on an opportunity to prove that my ideas of collective workplaces and profit-sharing workplaces and hospitality were more beneficial. I wanted to give workers a piece of the pie, and I wanted to show how they would outperform all their competitors. These two events were very frustrating for me, and they did break me. And I knew then that I needed a bigger audience I needed a larger reach. I needed more eyes and ears. And while not everyone who is going to hear my message is going to be sold, a lot of people are going to laugh at me just like those investors. But as my reach and my audience grows, the more and more people I can show and convince that we can create a better workplace and a better environment. And so I've now set out on my journey. So I've been writing my freelance articles about restaurants and building positive cultures. I've written a keynote speech, and this speech is called The Culture of Cool, igniting genuine positive culture that attracts the best staff and clients. And so now I'm here with this podcast, and this is going to be a main theme of this. I'm finding every outlet I can to spread my message, because to me, it's clear as day. This current system is unsustainable. And if we're being frank, this isn't just really about our workplace. It's also about our country. And I have this positive belief that if we can inject real democracy into our workplace, then we can demand democracy from our government as well. Because, you know, right now, none of us have really experienced real democracy. We think we have, but we don't really have a choice. What we have is merely just an illusion of choice or illusion of control. You have the choice over things that don't matter. Like, you have a whole aisle filled with soda pop. And we have another whole aisle filled with just cereal brands. But all those pops and cereals are made by, distributed by two companies. 
And then you might think, well, I have a choice on which grocery store I go to. But they're probably both owned by the same parent company. And if they're not, they're still buying from the exact same distributor. We go to school our whole early life, yet we never have any impact or input on the how or the why. There's no democracy there. You do what you're told. And most of our home lives were the same. Your parents weren't interested in your advice on how to manage yourself or how to manage the household. You did what you were told again. And then you go off to work. And again, your boss doesn't listen to you. You just do what you're told. So then we're given the choice to choose between the lesser of two evils. What a joke. They're both still evil. And you think you really have a choice here? If we did, why wasn't good on the ballot? Where's that choice? And I saw this myself over and over again in the restaurant industry and in my restaurant career. I worked for many larger companies who had tons and tons of highly skilled general managers who had been with the brand for 20 years or longer, yet they had no voice and no impact on the policies. Yet, you had all these sharp-dressed executives who came and went every four years, and they had complete control. And instead of promoting one of these GMs who understood every aspect of the brand, they would hire some pseudo-intellectual with some fancy degree that just happened to be belonging to the same fraternity they did. It's time to tear down these ancient, antiquated, bad boss theories. And throughout my whole life, I've seen a better way. I saw the solution, and I want to guide a group of people to see that same vision, that we can create a better workplace and a better world for all of us. That kind of escalated quickly, huh? <laughs> okay, we're going to tone it back down. We're going to take a really hard right turn. And believe me, there's going to be a lot more of that preaching in future episodes. But right now, I kind of want to go back into the weird world of oddities, and I'm going to share one last aspect of me. And this might be something that is going to lose some of you. And a lot of you guys are going to disagree with what I'm saying, and that's all fine. Um, some people live by these things. A lot of kings of ancient worlds had these people in their courts and, and relied on their wisdom. And so while today and then probably too, lots of other people think they're complete hogwash. And honestly, I'm not going to give my opinion either way. I'm just going to state some facts and point out an interesting pattern. So, if you believe in numerology, I'm a Life Path 11, which is a natural guide, leader, and speaker. If you believe in astrology, well... I'm a Taurus in Western astrology, and I'm a goat in Eastern astrology. Again, both natural leaders, seekers, deep thinkers, and guides. If you believe in human design, I'm a projector. Again, a natural speaker and a natural guide. So without putting any stock in any single one of these things, 
I do find it interesting that I've always had a talented mouthpiece and I've always been in leadership or in guidance roles. That these are the things that really seem to nourish my soul and give me the most satisfaction and sense of purpose. And so that's it. That's a little bit about me for right now. And I'm sure you're going to learn a lot more about me as we continue down these different episodes. And we're going to see a lot of different episodes handling a lot of different things. But so now let's take one more hard left turn. And let's do a really quick breakdown of the process and the schedule here moving forward. We're going to get into some of the analytics. Um, I'm going to shoot this show moving forward live every single Friday afternoon. And part of the live is for that transparency. Eventually, I'm going to be able to give you a more specific time, like 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Um, right now, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out, and we'll get that structure. But as of right now, I'm going live on Fridays. And I'm going to do that regardless of how many people are watching or where I might be. I'm going to try to be here in my home office. But if I'm traveling, I'm still going to block out that time. Because just as in restaurants, for this, consistency is huge for me. Directly after the live show, I'm going to then add in live features for the socials. And here I'm going to host any questions and answers from the audience. And I really want this to be interactive, and I want you to feel like you have a voice. Like we're just kind of having a natural conversation as friends. This is going to be my open-door policy, if you will. And yes, I'm doing all the talking, but I really do want this to feel like genuine conversations with somebody who you know. And then what we'll do is I'm going to do a really light edit over the weekend or on Monday... And um, then we're going to post that to YouTube and uh, Spotify and Apple and any other podcast platforms. And we're going to do that on Tuesday, Rumble. And so that's it. That's it for today's show and episode one. Just a little bit about me and what this show is about. And so if this resonates with you, I really look forward to seeing you back and enjoying another episode of Ryan Ransom Reveals. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok under the same name, Ryan Ransom Reveals. And I really do want to thank you for watching, and we'll see each other again soon. Thank you.